Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Clever Investor Show. I'm your lucky host, Cody Sperber, the OG Clever Investor, and we are back in the studio. And today we got a very special guest, a reoccurring guest, one of the greatest real estate investors in the country, the amazing Jamil Damji is in the house. Thanks and for having me, bro. He, and he's uh, he's freshly recovered from a pretty crazy surgery. Yeah. I don't know if you guys follow Jamil. What's your social? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at jdamji, J-D-A-M-J-I. Yeah, go follow Jamil. He's fun, man. He's he's one of the coolest cats in uh, in real estate. Does all these fun, crazy videos and just just a lot of a lot of great positive energy. And then one day. I see you're you're in the hospital. Yes, and you're a hot mess. Yes, and then I see you on social wearing a neck brace yes. and still doing I was, content. I, was, I just went, dude. It was <laughs> it was a it was it was pretty it was pretty wild. You know, the the train doesn't stop. You know, when you're going and things are 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 moving right. We had just sold out a mastermind. I'm so let me let me take you back, right? Because you're probably wondering how did it even happen, right? So yeah, what, what happened to you? Well, I, I I woke up one morning and my whole body was numb. Like numb, you know, and it felt like even your like you couldn't even feel your pecker. None of it. So I, I couldn't feel going to the restroom. Like it was, it was drastic. That's a right? problem. <laughs> a big problem. Big yeah. problem, right? Um, and so you know, we make a doctor's appointment, and the doctor's appointment's like uh, like the end of the week, right? So I'm I'm going through the week, and you know, in that middle of that week, I fell, right? And it was weird because I lost my footing, and it was just like I scraped my elbows up, and I'm like, man, that was so strange. But it was like my feet felt like they were asleep. I don't know. You know that feeling, yeah. right? So tinglys. And I had I, my hands. I still have that numbness in my hands. It's starting to dissipate now. Um, but, the, you know, the, the sensation has restored itself in my body. But that numbness, you know, took me to the doctor. Doctor, uh, you know, talks to me for a little while. He's like, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, there's a syndrome called Guillain-Barre syndrome. It sounds very similar to what you're experiencing right now. I can't treat you. You need to go right to the ER. Wow. And so... Uh, you know, I, I go to the ER and well, not right to the ER. I went home first and I tried to negotiate with my wife to say, hey, I don't think I need to do this. It's probably just going to go away. And she said, you are out of your mind. You have to go to the ER. Go. And so later on that evening, we go to the ER. I have an MRI. The MRI comes back. My spine is 98% impinged, right? So there's no cerebral spinal fluid making its way up to my brain. And our body, it it flushes your CSF. There's a lot of salts and, and different types of nutrients that get uh, sent through your spine up to your brain and, and kind of flush out and, and all day, right? Mm. And so, and typically it makes that journey once a day. Well, when you're 98% impinged, it's not doing that, which explains the numbness and, and it explains the, um, uh, the loss of mobility and dexterity and things of that nature, right? And so, I get the result back from the neurologist and he, I explained to him, I have a mastermind this coming weekend. Like it's a Monday. I have a mastermind this coming weekend. He's like, I don't think you have a mastermind this coming yeah, weekend. Yeah, it's crazy that you were focused I know. on, on, on I, serving your students instead of like taking care of your health. That's insane. It, it is. And it's, you know, it's, I think a part of this, like, you know, the, the mentality of being an entrepreneur, it's just this constant like striving, go, 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 go. And, and you sacrifice so much, yourself, your health, a lot of times, family, so many things become compromised in this pursuit of excellence and service, right? And so that's the fact, right? And that's what I was in. And I wanted to show up for my students and I wanted to be there. And I, and, but at the same time, I'm, they're like, they're telling me the chances of you becoming fully paralyzed are like over 80%. 
Mm. or having a stroke, if you don't deal with this right now, if you decide to leave the hospital, I have to have you sign waivers about that thick because you're going against my orders. You're going against my recommendations. You could very well pass away or become paralyzed. And I don't want you to come back and sue me for malpractice afterwards because I've told you this is a bad idea. So I relent. I said, okay, when can you do the surgery? He says, tomorrow morning. That's, wow. how, that's how emergency this is. So they put me on the schedule. I go in. Um, it was a C4567 fusion. So it was quite a few vertebrae. They had to remove all those discs and then they implant like fake ones. I actually gained about a half an inch in height, which for me is, is pretty cool because uh, I'm, you know, yeah, <sighs> it was weird, right? And so I have this, uh, you know, C4567 fusion. Very scary. You, you're, you kind of feel like your, your head's on a swivel when that happens because it's, it's so weak, right? And I'm in this neck brace and I get discharged from the hospital and I make it to the mastermind. I actually made it on Friday. The first day I show up and, you know, the community, they all stand up and they're like, my goodness, like, how is this? I, you know, I'm in a cane. I have a neck brace on, but I'm there. Right. And I don't know if that was a good idea or if it was a bad idea, but I did it. Right. And so uh, I, I feel proud of myself for showing up. But, you know, looking back at it now, I'm 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 a little bit, uh, you know, I, I I have to chill out. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, do. Like, do. I've got to chill out. Jeez because it's, it's I'm. And it's crazy because you have been on this mission to lose a ton of weight. You're looking yeah. better than ever. You're, you're you. you you look healthy, and then this hits you. Yeah. And, and wow. Well, I'm I'm. I mean, we were all praying for you. We're glad Thank you're you, back. Brother. You're looking Thank good, you. and your Thank your you. head's moving around. Yeah. It's yeah. It, and look for those of you that don't know Jamil, he runs one of the largest, if not the largest, wholesaling company in the country. Um, how, how many deals are you guys doing right now? Uh, we're we're still averaging anywhere between 60, 60, maybe 70 deals a month just in our corporate stores. So that'll be uh, Arizona, Florida, and Texas. And that'll be cumulative with all yeah. those different markets. Yeah. And then we have franchises, right? And that's a whole other beast. And so our franchises are operating very, uh, you know, very well. We're in uh, operating franchises right now, about 80 markets that are, that are actually operating, mm. doing well. You know, of course, in these kinds of businesses, People sometimes come in and they just, you know, it doesn't work out or they, they don't do the work or whatever that is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, not it's a real business. Yeah, you can't, it's a real business. You, you, right? It doesn't matter how great the system is. If you don't actually put yes. in the work to work the system, yeah. it's, yeah. it's not going to do anything. But, you know, we, we, we truly, truly love uh, the model. You know, our, I, I got a text this morning from my Colorado franchise who was actually the medic on our television show. He was watching what we were doing while he was swabbing us for COVID uh, mm -hmm. every day. And he's just like, man, what, as he's like picking my boogers, he's realizing like, I, do, I don't think I've figured this life thing out yet. Right. So he ends up um, becoming a franchise. He just tells, he told me today that they cleared over $300,000 in their first year. And he, Hell yeah. he can't, he's just so grateful. He's like, I, I can't believe that this is my life now. Thank you so much. And that's rewarding. It's rewarding to know that you're having an impact in somebody's life, and and these kinds of connections can can create you know beautiful blossoming opportunities for people. Yeah, but it's, it hasn't been this way for a lot of real estate wholesalers. This year's Not, been a tough this, year. This a lot of people tough for everybody got right? obliterated. I know a lot of mortgage guys, uh, real estate agent guys, wholesalers making half or less than what they made last yes. year. Um, yes. Some of them are now out of business, yep. trying different things. I know. I've been very brutally open about like our challenges. You know, it's doesn't matter what level you're at. 
you're spending a lot of money on marketing, not spending any money on market. Everybody's feeling it. Yep. And, um, you know, the Airbnb business was really tough. It took a lot of twists and turns. Yes. Um, it's funny how all of a sudden it pops back up too. Uh, the, we, we sold a bunch of like shitty Airbnbs that just weren't doing that good. And the ones we kept are all gunning right now. Beautiful. It's a, it's amazing. Like I'm getting reports. We're making like, you know, between 10 and 12,000, sometimes 14,000 a Heck month yeah, for each Airbnb. That's and it's awesome. like, hell yeah, we're back yeah. in the game, there baby. It, t- it took a, took about six months to turn the corner, but wholesaling, let's talk about wholesaling. Cause a lot yes. of, um, you know, we've been on this real estate kick. I'm not interviewing or talking to anybody outside the real estate niche for 50 episodes. I'm like, fuck that. I don't care how cool of an entrepreneur you are. You can be my coolest friend. If we're not talking, making money, make doing real estate, I don't want to talk to you. So like right now, what do you see in that? Like, first off, where do you think the market's going? We're, we're, we're recording this. We're in December. This will come out probably in December or t- towards the end of December. Um, where do you see the market going first quarter 2024? You think things are going to look better? It's an election year. Like, what's yeah. your prediction? Yeah. And, you know, they're already forecasting it, right? So, so we, you know, you saw what the Fed did uh, just recently and they've, they're now actively saying that they're going to start cutting rates, which, you know, has already had an impact on mortgage rates, right? So mortgage rates started to come down and immediately activity starts to pick up. Mm-hmm. So our buyer pool, which are mainly fix and flip buyers and buy and hold buyers, they, you know, the phone starts ringing again, right? Because they want to start packing inventory so that they can have their flips on the market in, you know, February, March. So they really want to start buying and getting prepared for what they believe is going to be an upturn because they've kind of been dormant for a little while, right? Not all of them, but, yeah. but many of them have. So that's really good news. And and what I believe that as wholesalers, we have a, a really great finger on the, you know, on the pulse of the market because we see the activity before mm-hmm. it becomes retail activity, right? And so because we are seeing that like pre-activity, which is, is essentially what wholesaling is, right? Because we're dealing with distress or we're dealing with opportunities that haven't been, you know, repositioned to become retail yet. So we get to understand that and feel it. And I can tell you just based off the activity that we're having by the number of deals that we're selling and the the way the phone is ringing, that the early part of 2024 has to be more active because more activity is happening now. And, and the lag will show up for us in retail activity in early 2024. Of course, we're also going into an election year. And that is always good for the economy because it you know, it just so happens that all of these new ideas and 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 ways to you know help the economy out, and I think Biden is really going up an uphill battle right now. Because Someone he, wants to be reelected. Well, yeah, he yeah. wants to be reelected, but you know, look at what's happening in the economy right now. And I've talked to a lot of like diehard Democrats, diehard Democrats who are voting Trump this year, like diehard Democrats, you know. And so when you've got people that would you know four years ago would have like puked in their mouth if you had said to them that, hey, in the future, you're going to vote for Donald Trump. They would never have believed it. But give somebody, you know, three years of hardship, give people what we've experienced over the last little while and people start to make different decisions. And so... I'm really interested to see how this. Yeah, we're all seeing plays the what's out. in it for them come out real fast. Absolutely. Well, what I hear you say is that wholesalers are premature. They have a lot of premature activities. Correct. All right. I like where your head's yeah, at. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that my whole career. <laughs> um, well, dude, look, I, I totally agree with you. It, it, you know, if people just understand the basic mechanics of the system, if you lower the Fed funds rate, that's going to 
indicate that the economy is going to be a little bit stronger. The Fed's behind the curve a lot of times. They were behind the curve on raising the Fed funds rate. And now they're a little bit behind the curve of lowering. And we don't want to go into a hard landing. Right. And so, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, they're going to lower it. And they indicated they're going to do it at least two times. So, okay, cool. Uh, I would get in now. I always tell people like when, 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 when young people are, they're like, Hey Cody, you think today's a good time to buy a house? I'm like, you better get in and buy a house right now. Don't worry about the rate. We can have a 7% or 8% rate. It sucks. But what's worse overpaying for a house or coming in now when the market's kind of cool and everybody's kind of scared and negotiating a better price for the house because the price is forever, the rate you can change. Absolutely. And so I, I, I agree. We're seeing in our wholesaling business a lot of buying activity starting to ramp back up because people predict that interest rates are going to continue to go down. They just went into the sixes for the first time in a while, right. which is great. I think it can come down to, to, to high fives. Yeah. And I think once we, cool. get, once we get you know towards the, the five and a half and maybe even inching a little bit lower than that, I believe that we're going to, that's when we have risk. And here's the risk that I, I potentially see. Because right now we've got the lock-in effect, right? These are all the people that are holding on to their two, three, 4% mortgages because that rate was just so good that they thought, man, I, I'd rather be a landlord than, than lose this financing because I'm not going to get this opportunity for financing again. So those people either rented their house or they stayed put. But as we get closer to five, that 4% mortgage isn't as attractive anymore, right? Now you can let that go. You can say, you know what? I'm, I'm, we're talking a point and a half They can here. justify They it. can justify yeah. letting it go. And I believe that those people who became accidental landlords, they'll have just dealt with being a landlord for six months or a year, right? And they know how difficult it is to actually be a landlord. And so those people are probably going to start to make adjustments and say, hey, maybe it's time for me to sell the property. And so that's the risk. That, that's why I'm saying let's be measured about our optimism and look at some key indicators, right? For me, key indicators are the following. I'm going to look at months of inventory on the market and I'm going to look at days on market because to me, those are the two mm-hmm. most important indicators of the health of the system. It's like, it's literally like blood pressure and heart rate for a human. That's blood pressure and heart rate for the real estate market. Days on market and months of inventory. If we start to see months of inventory start to creep up, because we're at like three and a half right now, right? If we start getting closer to like four or five months of inventory and inventory starts to kind of balloon a little bit, that's going to have downward pressure on prices, which again, many people are kind of saying, hey, we, we want that, right? The, the, the public wants lower housing prices because things went a little bananas during yeah. COVID and afterwards, right? So, so I, I do believe that there is a small risk that we have to pay attention to and days on market will, will tell us that as well because that tells us how, how resilient um, you, that price expectation really is. Because right now, if you're looking for opportunities, my, you know, my students and our wholesale business are, are really going after those mature listings that are 90, 120 days on market where there is no activity. You're seeing steady de- decreases in price. So there's motivation. There's indications of motivation in that seller, but there's still just not been any activity there. That seller, because you can see they're reducing price, there's, they are ready to take an offer. They want to trade. So that's the opportunity because especially when you're working with real estate agents, you have an advocate because that person is a real estate professional. They understand the market. They can communicate to their seller this is probably the best you're going to get. And especially right now in the holiday time, 
you've got, and I know this podcast will come out in the end of December, but you still have time, guys. You still have time mm -hmm. because there's opportunities out there that you can go in and you can make very aggressive offers. And those offers, if you're working with a competent agent, especially if you're doing a, a dual agency situation where you let that agent represent you as well, well, now you've given them incentive to advocate for you and they can try to make the situation work. And I'm seeing it happen over and over and over again. Those deals get accepted. Those houses get wholesaled and people get profits. So that's the strategy right now that we're, we're when, really when, leaning when, in on. When you're working with agents, are you coming in? Do you guys have like a formula like, hey, just take the MLS price and offer 65 cents on the dollar and fire, fire out no. a verbal? Like how, how are you kind of approaching the agents and getting the best deal? So, so it really always still depends on the math, right? So you're going to look at the ARV of the property. And some of these properties, because they have been on the market so long, they're actually priced well. But if something's been sitting for 100 days on the market and it's priced well, there's still objections. The market is still rejecting that price. And so even though it's priced well, I just can't go in and give them a full price or a close to full price offer on that because the buyers that I'm working with, they'll see that listing and they'll say, what did you do? You've, you've done nothing for me here, Jon yeah. Snow, right? Come yeah. on, you got to do better than that. And so I don't, I can't say that there's a, a formula per se, but you have to look at the story, right? Because every deal is a story. So if this house, let's just use some easy numbers. If it's listed at $200,000, it's been sitting a hundred days on market. ARV on this thing is 300. Okay. Well, a buyer, if I go in and I offer 190 and I try to sell it for 199, they're going to say, I could have done this myself. But if I go in and I offer 150 and I get it approved and then I put it out at 160, Right, that's 40, they'll see the list price at one not what two hundred, and they'll, they'll go, see a forty thousand okay. dollar negotiation yeah. opportunity that they didn't have to go do. They run the math and they see a three hundred thousand dollar ARV. They say that's a deal, and then whether it's on the market or off the market or any of these things doesn't matter. The math does the work for you. So that's our approach right now. And it's working really, really, really well. And that also helps us not have to have tremendous amount of marketing spend because I'm not doing direct mail and I'm not you're, doing You're more working click. the MLS. I'm and working the agent MLS relationships. agent relationships. That's our primary bread and butter. Now, are you guys doing any novations on the back end? Are you guys no. just selling to your really strong buyers we list? We are. We're just selling to our buyers. Of course, we're still flipping You know, uh, good opportunities and Right now, my you mean sister, actually taking it down and yeah. running a remodel? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's you know we especially in that under five hundred thousand point. It's still there's still buyers. It's still pretty robust out there for for well priced, well executed remodels. Dude, I've been looking on the MLS, just just messing around, looking at fully remodeled properties. First off, they go quick. Yep, and there's not that many of them. Yep, everything on the MLS is dog shit. You know, like you're looking at these older homes. Like a lot of people either sell them right away or they took their stuff off the market and every once in a while you'll see it go on there, but the good ones don't last very long. They don't. Yeah. So I could see what you're saying right there. Of, of if, if you can get in, don't over rehab, just make it nice, get it back up on the MLS, focus on markets that have low days on market, yes, sir. those areas. Yeah. That and, makes and new construction right now is also really good. I know you've been doing some luxury new construction and you do a phenomenal job of it. Like truly, I, I would love to one day live in a Cody Sperber new build. You, they, are you, they are dope. They are dope. They're dope. They're dope. We you learned know, it. I'm going to, I'm going to share a lesson here in a yeah. second after you finish your thought. But you, you know what you're doing, right? You understand that. And so, um, you know, we obviously are not doing luxury new construction, but we're focusing on that new construction price point of 
like $400,000. That's our sweet spot. Okay. And you get these- Strong working class house. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can find lots in South Phoenix and in West Phoenix in the $100,000 price point, right? So that's that's the that's mm-hmm. the sweet spot for your land cost. If you can build it around 135 a foot, which is where we're coming in right now for that type of product, you know, that that's a pretty good profit margin once you get to it. And you're also helping the market because- So these are like 2,500 square foot houses? No, no, no. Are these? We're, these are like 1,300 square foot, single okay. family, you know, um, you know, very- they're Even smaller than I thought. Yeah, yeah they're starter just homes. three bed, two bath. But what, what was really interesting about the way that we've designed these is- you know, the size I, of my old closet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. I, uh, uh, I partnered with uh, with a lady, Shana Farnsworth, and she is a developer who only does these uh, this type of product uh, because she grew up in, in, in one of these neighborhoods, right? And she understood how hard it was for families that had multi-generational living in it that were mm-hmm. not designed for that type of lifestyle. And one of the gripes that she had was, you know, Jamil, one of the most disrespectful things that you can do in a low-income house is, is have a dining room. Like, let's be honest, mm. okay? That room is unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And so what would people typically do? They put up bed sheets and they, they create a, a they make a room in the dining room, right? And then now they're living in a house that they're they don't want people to come into because it's embarrassing for them. And so there's this all this, you know, there's all these other issues that happen because you've got people living in ways that they wouldn't necessarily want to show others, right? And so understanding the life of what it looks like in there where you have a lot of multi-generational living where you you need to think about living space and how to maximize it so that you can have you know two families in one single family house which happens a lot in this in this economic bracket so you know the kitchen island rather than a dining room is incredibly important so instead of putting these tiny little kitchen islands in these houses we're putting an 8 footer we put an eight foot. Everybody can everybody gather can around. gather around and I dine like it. on it, you know. And then there's no necessity for a dining room. We have an extra bedroom instead, and so we're thinking about how that group is living. And because we are doing that, when we actually put the house on market, people come in and say this is functional. And even though we're not really overbuilding in terms of size, we are over delivering in functionality. And so that allows us to keep our price down and give a product out at a really good opportunity and price for the buyer because they're, there's just not a lot out there for 400,000 that's brand new. I'm going to go do two of these. Watch, watch me. Watch me, go. Jamil. I'm going to go do two of these real fast and I'll awesome. test it because I love, I believe strong. First off, I grew up in a house like that. Yeah. And I was joking about the size of my closet. Like I wish it, I, I, I wish I had a 1300 square foot closet. Well, I think you're one of your houses at some well, point. You know, I had, I, so. And I've told this story before, you know, you build these big, beautiful, like, you know, $5 million house. I couldn't wait to get rid of it. Yeah. It was like a luxury prison. <laughs> Seriously. It was like a big out. My dude cost me a thousand bucks to deal with my fish tank. Thousand bucks to cut my grass, thousand bucks to clean my pool. I had a guy watering all my plants for a thousand bucks. Everything's a fucking thousand dollars. Like you tell you yeah. look up and you're like, oh my oh, gosh. I spend 50 G's a month on dumb shit. Yeah. And I haven't even got to my cars and life right. yet. Right. You know, it's just a right. house for yeah. 50 G's. And uh the day we sold it, even though I made great money on it, I was just so over it. And it's cool yeah. for, for a second. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, the day I bought my Rolly. Right. The day I right. bought my Lambo. Yeah. It's cool for a minute. And then it wears off. It wears off real quick. And I just look at it like, damn, that was a that was a that was dumb. And I'm at a stage in my life right now where I just want simplicity, happiness, and I want to go fast with my money. There you go. You know, so I just want to I just want to buy more, bigger, cooler shit. I, we were talking right before this podcast. I I bought two banks. That's so cool, dude. Yeah. And so what's what's your plan with the with the buildings? 
Uh, well, I'm gonna shoot some content in them because okay. how cool is that? Uh, yeah. Like, where am I gonna store all my millions in yeah. my own bank? Yeah, I can just see you like Scrooge McDuck style figuring out how to how to put coins in the vault so you can swim in it. So what, here's what we're gonna do: Do we need to go film a video where we get a big ass slide, but there's no money in the vault? And you're like, bro, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm just practicing. So when the money, when when all the coins come in here, I could Scrooge McDuck into that's them. That's great. Uh, but and yeah. that's a Ducktales reference, by the way, for any of you guys that are <laughs> millennials or you, you, too Gen Zers. For that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, we we're we're going to do some cool shit with them. We're obviously we're going to either build them out and develop them for an end buyer that already pre kind of creates an LOI where we know what their intention is, and we'll build it for them and be the developer, or we'll just flip it. Yeah. To somebody, but it'll be a restaurant or a gas station or a, anybody who needs high traffic area. Banks always have the best locations. Yes. So it'll be a high, you know, we have over a hundred thousand cars a day wow. drive in front of this bank. Nice. And we got two of them and it's hard. It's hard. We had a whole podcast episode uh, about it. I had my business partner, Christian in here who we partnered with. You got to bring in a commercial badass that's been in the game for a long time. It's no different than trying to break into any other good old boy network. Uh, you're not getting a bank deal. Yes. They're not calling you. Right. They. You have to have a relationship with the commercial real estate division mm -hmm. of the bank. Yes, sir. And then- after a long time of building a relationship, them watching you maneuver, you being able to prove that you can pay millions and millions of dollars for this asset, uh, then maybe you'll get a shot. We actually made offers on maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 banks before we finally got well, awarded. Why, why, why were you so interested in banks? I mean, for exactly this, I'm out of single family. Like, I don't want to develop single family anymore unless it's affordable housing. And that's kind of what I was driving towards a second ago. Is like, I believe strongly that the future is all about affordable housing. And this is agree. where we need to focus. I'm not, and we're not building any more luxury spec builds. Even if I can make 400,000 on a deal, 500,000, I think our most one was like 700 and something thousand. It's too much risk and it's not the right, legacy for me. I want to be able to say, no, I built 500 affordable housings. I got great families in them. Yeah. And I'm cool making 30, 40 grand, 50 grand exactly. on a house and exactly. being done uh, and moving a lot faster and plus taking on a lot less risk. So yes. it, it works out on all levels. But besides those kind of affordable projects, I only want to focus on commercial. So many of our listeners reach out and they ask us how they can get involved in my actual real estate deals. Our investment firm specializes in finding deeply discounted properties, acquiring them, renovating, stabilizing both single family and multifamily properties all over the United States. That's why we're so excited to share with you clevercapitalfund.com. Now, if you have some investment capital and you want to deploy it and receive double digit returns back by real estate, then visit our website and see which fund is right for you. We have both equity funds and we have debt funds where you just get paid out every month like clockwork. All you got to do is visit www.clevercapitalfund.com today to learn more. At this point in my career, I've done the wholesale. How many wholesale deals have you done? Uh, we we The last we tracked, it was over 7,000. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Like when you, yeah. when you say that, it's yeah. so absurd. And I remember, dude, how long have we been working together? A long time, dude. Well, the, you know, for those of you that don't know, my business partners, right? They were mentored by Cody, right? So Josiah Grimes, he's my business partner, one of them. Um, he was your protege, like your, your like right-hand guy. For years, you, six you, years. Your, your pedigree, right? And yep. Hunter, one of your best students. Yep. 
And so, you know, the two of them, they you know, come out of the world of Clever Investor and we partner together. And Nick you, Fisher. Nick Fisher. You know, you know how, how intelligent those He was my CMO for yes. many years. Yep. I taught him the Facebook game. Yes, showed sir. him how to scale yep. on and he, and cold traffic. I mean, and he's known as one of the best or greatest in the cold traffic space, right? And so a lot of my business is... Uh, directly responsible you're directly responsible for my for the knowledge my business partners and have. more important than that me and you were broing out and yep. you were bringing deals left and right you were the yes. b- best in town at finding we never had seen anybody find more deals than you yeah it's it was uncanny. like I, I, I remember getting the word hey jameel wants to meet you and i said hey josiah can you go build a relationship with this jameel guy uh let's see if he's worth it Hey, uh, checking in a couple of weeks later. How's Jamil thing going with Jamil? He brought us six deals. Yeah. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Who brings you six deals in a week? Like, yeah. or two weeks? Like, it was insane how fast you were finding just insanely profitable deals. So yeah. you, 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 uh, you've always been known, but to say you've done 7,000 yeah. plus deals is insane. It is. It At is. what point is the off ramp? Is the what off ramp? The off ramp. Like, this is where I'm thinking, and maybe you're like, the weird one that loves the wholesaling industry so much that you'll be the king, the godfather, the goat. I just look at it and I go, okay, I played that game really well and I had a lot of fun and I'm grateful for it. Sure. But I want to look around at the end of my time and I want to say, you know what? I 10X'd my thoughts. I I went big in these big, scary things that we're so far out of my comfort zone that it's more about growth for me and this feeling of like stepping into something scary. I don't know anything about commercial. It's scary. It's a when I when I first started thinking about like how do you raise a hundred million dollars? It felt so absurd to me because I'm trying to raise two hundred thousand dollars to go scale my flipping business. Sure. It's such a disconnect for most people to think like, how would I ever do that? And then I was like, well, how do I do anything? I How do you eat the real estate elephant? Yeah. One bite at a time. time. I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. going to network with all the right people. I'm going to increase my skills and capabilities. I'm going to develop a game plan and I'm going to go do what I always do. I'm going to I'm gonna play full out outside of my comfort zone and keep pushing, taking massive action, take whatever ass kickings I get along the way. And eventually I'm going to eat this fucking elephant and I'm going to raise a hundred million. That's it. And I'm going to go buy not one bank or two banks. I'm going to buy 200 banks yes, and I'm going to redevelop them into, you know, these are, these projects all minimum are like a million and a half to 2 million profits. Some of my projects that I have on the table right now are the, the shorter term ones are like eight to 9 million. And the big boy ones are like 150 million. Goodness, bro. That is that is and, amazing. And I feel like it's like kind of weak and whack because I have some friends that are doing way bigger <laughs> things than me in commercial development. Sure. And I'm just looking at it like this well, is you're nothing. Getting, you're, you're getting your start, right? Like, you you know, I know you and you're, you're, where you start is not where you're, you're going to end up, right? You will, you're starting at banks, you're starting at looking at raising a hundred million and you'll get to a point where that is going to be a cakewalk for you and, and so on and so forth until you, you know, you get to the point where you, so. you're, you're like, okay, I'm done with this now. What's next? Right. And so, um, and that's, hum- that's being a human being. That's, that's when you are a growth focused human being and you really care about what you leave behind and what you accomplish on this planet. There is no stopping. There is no stopping. It's not a matter of off ramp because even the off ramp becomes the journey. 
right? And what is then? What what happens on the off ramp? And what am I going to do over here? It's you know, it, it doesn't end until you until you're dead, right? I don't believe in this thing that you know. Oh my God, I'm going to work so hard and then I'm gonna I'm gonna rest so so well because I can't do it. I mean, once you, you take a vacation and by day 11 you're ready to go back yeah man yeah. like it's like okay yeah. come on right let's let's speed up this vacation thing let's go let's get let's get back to let's yep. get back to the back to the grind and that's you know again i i'm not look for anybody watching this right now i'm not going to tell you that that's healthy okay it's not it's just me it's how i am it's how god wired me and i have to be true to my wiring because it is what drives me, right? And I know when I'm being true to myself and I know when I'm not. And when I'm being true to myself, I feel good. And when I'm not being true to myself, I don't feel good. And so I've been really focused on what's happening with me emotionally, right? How am I feeling about this specific situation, these people, this opportunity? Does it fire me up? Does it light me up? Does it make my eyes sparkle? Or do I feel you know, dejected? Do I feel nervous and ang and anxious? And do I feel fearful? Do I feel negative and bad? If I do, then that's not for me. And that internal emotional guidance system, which we all have, is one of the most real and most true treasure maps you can ever follow in your life. If you follow that treasure map, and I mean it, like really paying attention and getting still with yourself and checking in with how you feel about something, and then take a step, that will guide you in ways that will take you to the highest and best version of your, of your potential here on this planet. And you're doing it. You're living it. And yeah, we, I have, love that. we have friends that are living it. We get to see them, you know, evolve. I think that's and, part of and, it, though. We're, we, I, how many cool people do we get an opportunity to hang around that you're yeah. like, wow, they're really playing full out? I need to step my game up. Yeah. It's it's a lot of inspiration from our friend group. And I'm at a point in my life, bro, where I just want to be fucking happy. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want any negative people around me. That's why I don't hang around most motherfuckers. Like I don't, mm. I watch people, and it's the thing that pisses me off most about our industry, the real estate space, is when I watch all these fake people with their fake love and their fake smiles and you know, I, I see their fake Instagram with their fake engagement and all that stuff. And I'm just watching it. And I'm just like, you can keep all that. Like I, they come up to me at events and they're like, Cody, Cody, I love you. You got me in the game. Can I take a picture? Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to shake your hand and take yeah. a picture. Not because I'm an asshole. It's yeah. just because I know what you're doing. You're yeah. trying to get association to get the clout when yeah. you really don't love me. Exactly. You're not really my people. You're not yeah. there for me. In fact, yeah. I hear you guys talking shit behind my back. Yeah. And again, always, all roads always come back to me. I always yeah. hear it. I just am choosing at this point in my life. It's like, you keep that over there. When you are in a spot at the table, I'll embrace you lovingly and warmly. But until I see the work over a long period of time and you earn that spot, like keep all that fake bullshit over there. And it sucks because our industry needs leaders and it needs people to step their game up like you, like Pace, like the, all, everybody in our friend group, Brett Daniels, Bryant, my business yeah. partner. like Beautiful people. Yeah. Yeah. Brett Tanner. Yep. I mean, we can list a ton of them here in the Valley. Like, who am I missing? Yeah. Like, yeah. shit. Yeah. There's Chris Iman, you know. Iman, he's a boss. wonderful dude, right? Like I... You know, you you look at you look at these these kinds of people, and and what you see is history, and and you can see a track record of of integrity, performance, and yep. and and that is what 
keeps people in the game. You don't last this long in this business being a dickhead. You don't. You're like, you'll burn bridges. You might make a little bit of money in a short spurt. Yep. There was this guy. I tell this story all the time. His name was Troy Funk. Sorry, Troy. I'm throwing you under the bridge. Uh, I don't but, know him. But yeah, okay. well, no, because he doesn't exist anymore. Okay. But he was the biggest wholesaler in town when I was first breaking into the business. Wow. And he had a company called Cutting Deals. Okay. Cutting Deals. All right. And Troy Funk was a dick. And, but he was the man, right? And yeah. everybody would talk about cutting deals. And he he sponsored all the RIA events because we got to go back before social. Like there, we weren't faking it on social. We were yeah. actually they were doing a lot of deals. They were they were the Keegley of the day, wow. right? Yep. Because there was always somebody yeah. doing 30, yeah. 40, 50 deals. Like it was a staggering amount of deals. I think you guys were the first to ever break like into the 80, 90, 100 deal range. Like not many people were playing that level. Yep. But 40 deals in a month, 50 deals was yeah. insane back yeah. then. And there was on a couple companies. Derek Jar had one, Troy Funk had one. And I remember waiting to meet with him because I had this software I developed um, and it was called the M3. And I, it was a m marketing platform to help so sell my internal wholesale deals. And so he made me wait for an hour and a half in his fucking lobby only to bring me in and give me two minutes of his time wow. and treat me like a piece of shit. Make me, he sat in this big throne type chair and made me sit in this little podunk fucking stool, you know, like just dick moves. Like yeah. I'm the king, you're yeah. not. And I remember he shooed me out of the office and just kind of passed me over. Like I was, I was just wasting his time or something like that. And I remember thinking to myself, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. Someday I'm going to take that stool and shove it up your ass. Like that's how I felt. Like yeah. it was so disrespectful. And I always carried that and thought, you know, I'm going to make sure that if, if I see people that are really gunning out there in the industry, always give them a little helping hand. Always and, give them words of encouragement. And you are that guy though. You, you know that, I think that's why you, you've done so well in this, in the coaching space as well, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're a practitioner, you execute, you've been, you've been doing it a long time. You get the game, you understand it at all the levels. Uh, you, you, you are, you would be very hard pressed to go out into this business and, and, and say the name Cody Sperber and say, who's that? That's, that's just not, or he fucked right? me or yeah, that guy's yeah. an asshole. You're, you're, well, maybe you get yeah, that. I, get, I do get the everyone, asshole. I'm lying. Once, I get oh, the asshole get thing that, quite but, a bit. But, but, but the, but the fact that you're like, that you are not real. if they know me though. Yeah, if once you get to know who yeah. you are, you're a teddy bear, yeah. right? But you got to get past the Grinch to get to the teddy bear sometimes. And not calling you a Grinch, but you, yeah. you, no, get, I'm you can be a little sharp, right? You can be sharp. And, you know, and we've even had our little squabbles in the past and they've been great because they're, you know, you, there's never been a more be formidable be opponent best, for me. Best, man. best duel ever. It was the best. It man. was the best duel we, ever. We, we killed it. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it was a long time ago when I first launched the show. Jamil and I went at it. Yeah. We went at it. We're two two bulldogs in the industry kind of fucking with each other. And I, you know, I pissed him off for just acting the way I act out there on social and all the other stuff. And, uh, uh, we were going at it and out of nowhere one day I start getting my phone is blowing up. My fucking personal cell phone is blowing up. And it's like, yo, yo, can I come over to your house? Can I come meet you? Do you still have it? Do you, do you have the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile? Is it still available? What a great price. Can you tell me about the wheels? Can you tell me about the insides? What's inside the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile? And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm getting not one, not two, but hundreds of messages. And I'm like, what the hell is, is people talking about Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile? And then I'll, it clicked like in a split second, I went, 
somebody put out a fucking ad <laughs> where I'm selling an Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. So I go on Craigslist yeah. and I find the fucking yeah. ad. And it literally is a picture of the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile at like super big discount. And I was panicking trying to get this fucking ad off of online and so you know me being cody spur i started calling on my friends i'm like i need you to track ip address i need yep. to know who posted this ad and what went down in very short amount of time i realized it, it was, was you yeah. and i literally was howling out loud i said as much as i want to punch this motherfucker in the nuts <laughs> that was a classic jameel power great. move great that made me respect you so much at that moment <laughs> i told brian i said i can't even be mad at this guy it's so good <laughs> It was great, dude. And I chuckled. Brian chuckled. You laughed. And I think that got us really, that made us really close, right? Because it yeah. was like, you're like, I respect it, bro. And I respect you. And I was like, I respect you too. And then we were just like, squash, squash, you know? And so like, and that's cool. I mean, that's what, that's what real men will do, right? Like you will look each other in the eye. And if you have, you know, something to, to talk about, talk about it. And if that's been dealt with, then we were Let good. it go. Let it go. Because and we hugged it out. Yeah. Of course, know? we got no time for negativity, bro. Yeah. There is no time because at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, we, we lost a friend recently, you know, Jesse Lee. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, and it and it it's really crazy how fragile life is and and how quickly it can be taken from us. Right. Yes. And we never know, right? Because I could, this could have, I could have passed away from this situation, right? And one day I could have, you could have heard the news, hey, you know, um, something happened to Jamil, or I would have heard the news, something happened to Cody, or whatever that is, right? When we got the news that something that what happened to Jesse happened, it was unbelievable, right? It was like I can't believe it. I there, I had no doubt in my mind that she was going to make it. I had no doubt in my mind that she was going to make it. We all it. felt that way. Right? And her, it was like, her personality and the power of her personality yeah. made you believe yeah. that she could beat cancer. Yes, man. And 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 like even like four or five days before, she had had a post on her socials where she was in tears because she got told by the doctor that, hey, we don't need to see each other for six months because, you know, her your tests look good. And then all of a sudden, I guess she had a kidney infection and then it just went downhill from there, right? And so it turned really fast. But when you think about that and, and how quickly we lost her, right? It just tells you that there is no space and time for there to be friction and, and negativity because what binds this planet together is love. What tears this planet apart is fear. And you have an opportunity to lean into one of those energies and they're both powerful because they're the opposing force of each other. Right. And everything that is one way has its equal and opposite thing. That's the polarity of life. That's the polarity of existence. And so fear is as strong as love and it can be very destructive. But as destructive and powerful fear is, love is binding and healing. And when you lean into that and you truly, truly lean into that, right? Like, like all the hair on my body mm. is standing up right now because it's a real thing. When you lean into love and you and, and you Jamil's say, a very hairy man. Yes. Just so you know. Yes. When you when you lean into that, it is, it's a it's different, bro. It's yeah. it's so different. And when you ask the off-ramp, right? I, you know, the tangent here for a moment. I've been, you, you know this. I, you know, I've, I'm I'm I meditate. I've been meditating for, you know, seven years now. I it helped me beat alcoholism. It helped me, you know, when I was dealing with prescription pain situations, right? Like it, it really 
helped me. But it also, I believe, allowed me to begin visualizing and really connecting to what could be a potential. And, and in anchoring to these potentials that I was creating in my mind, I was building universes, bro. And I've been able to step into those universes as I've built them. And it's incredible what the soul and what love and what like the mind and, and energy can accomplish here. And everybody has that power. Nobody was born without it, which means none of us are extra special than the other. That every human has the potential and the capacity to rise up out of being an animal. And we leave that survival world and we get into this creation space. And that space there is what makes things beautiful. That's what makes all of it matter. That's what it, that's what we're here to do. Right. So, you know, Bless you and thank you. And imagine you know? if everybody in our industry actually operated like that. How yeah. many more deals can get done? How much so more many. collaboration? How many more people can break out of poverty in the rat race and yeah. live life on their own terms? The, the Troy Funks of the world, they came and gone because they, they, they played do. the short game. They yeah. did not take care of their relationships and yeah. they, they stepped on people to make money. And eventually it caught up with them. Yep. And, and there's a blacklist. You yeah. might not know it, but yeah. there's a list of people that all the big OGs go, I don't fuck with them. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, for instance, you know, we, uh, Pace and I use the term Voldemort to describe that one dude, right? Yeah. But we know who we're, who I'm talking about, right? Oh, I know. And, and, you don't and, even got to say anything. Yeah. Else. Say you less, know, fam. And, and <laughs> you know, even now, right? You see, you still see this guy try, like he's still trying to do business out there, but nobody wants to work with him. Nobody wants to buy deals from him. Nobody wants to give deals to him. Nobody wants to JV with the guy. Nobody wants to do any business with the guy because when you are away, when you are negative, when you are, uh, you know, you shortchange people, you rip people off, you do things to people that are unsavory, bully. you bully people, mm -hmm. it is, it, it gets around quickly and, and that repels. It repels everything. It rep repels your blessings. It repels people. It repels opportunities. What's interesting is that same guy, he was the first person I started doing deals with here in Arizona, like exclusively and quite voluminous. Yeah. And the problem was, is that he would only ever let me make $5,000 on a deal, which for me at the time was fine because I was just getting started. I would then see the settlement statement afterwards, right? And I would see that, oh, I made 5,000 and he made 55,000 or I made 5,000 and he made 65,000. And then I saw, wow, I'm really like, don't know what I'm doing here. I'm leaving a lot of money on the table and I don't understand yeah, not being treated the game, fairly right? Either. I'm not being Respected. treated fairly, right? So, so what did that do? He could have, at that time, knowing that I was as talented as I was as finding at finding opportunities, what would have been the right move would have been to call me into his office and say, dude, I haven't seen anybody perform and produce volume the way that you do. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Okay, I make way more money than you're making, but I want to let you in on the game. But I want you to do it in a way that you do it with me, right? So let's grow together. And and he didn't do that. Chris Simon did. Yep. Right. And so when when I had the choice of do I continue working with Voldemort or do I go and work with Chris Simon, I went right to Chris Simon and I hung out with Simon for a couple of years. Yep. And that relationship lasted until you know Josiah and Hunter and I got together and did our own thing. And so yep. and I will to this day. I will, I'll speak on Chris Simon's, you know, stages or his podcast or whatever. I'll, you know, collaborate with him. You got we, love. You we got do real lots love. Of yeah, it's yeah. real love. We do deals all the time. His, his son works with people at my, at my shop, you know? And so, and it's always, Hey, take care of those guys. Love on that guy because I didn't, none of us are here if it wasn't for him. Yep. Right. And so that's, and that's a fact, man. And so his legacy and the way that he treated me is still working for him right now.
It's which is I hope pretty people cool. are listening to this because that this is better than any tactical technical thing we can teach you on this podcast yeah. for sure because uh, the business talks. Everybody is connected. It it you cannot play this game at a very high level without these powerful relationships, and they do continue to pay, like you're saying, in yeah. the future and pay off for you. Uh, and here's the reality. At some point, some people get off the bus. You are so talented. You had to get off the bus of everybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of deal they cut with you. At some point, you were going to do your own thing until yeah. you found your your place. Right. And that's okay. You know, as long as people get off the bus, your bus better off than you found them, then, then you did your job. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And now you're doing it for other people. That's the cool full, full cycle yeah. of the whole thing is yeah. there's some young gunner coming up right now saying, Jamil's the best comper in the world. He finds more deals than anybody else. He scales a business faster than anybody else. And I get to learn from him. Right. And they're going to milk you for everything you got. They do. And on the backs, and, we, and, and some of them are going to steal from you. And some of them aren't going to be appreciative. And some of them are going to go on to be super successful, more successful than you. And they're yep. not going to give you one cent of credit. All of all these happens. things are going to happen. And some of them are going to never stop giving you the credit. And some of them are going to always bring the opportunities back to, to you because they know that you're the one that put them on. And one day, all of them, regardless of what they chose to do, will show up at your funeral. I know, right? Because you impacted them. Yeah, dude. Uh, in their journey. And they wouldn't be where they are without it. And that's just the truth, brother. So you can't control people. But you, your legacy, to what you, no, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, bro, I've watched you maneuver around this industry. You are a rainmaker, a change maker, and a leader. And we need 500 more Jamils because I watch you even with your students, like you're putting them through somatic release breath work with my ex-wife. You're, you're doing meditation with them. You're, you're talking about health and trying to get them to push themselves on a health side, on a spiritual side, not just the money side. Those are the types of conversations we need to be having is like, look, dude, making money, having fun, being healthy, being happy. That's what it's all about. Yes, sir. And what better industry to do it in than in the creative real estate. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. It's the best. It is, man. It is. And I'm I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful for the the opportunity that God gave me. I'm grateful for the people that have been put into my life that I've had uh, to be able to lean on and 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 be lent on by, um, and 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 to see what's next, right? To be able to be here because I I I I really shouldn't be, man. When when I look back at the story of my life, right, it was perilous, man, and there were so many moments where this doesn't happen. And, and I, and, you know, looking back at every one of those and understanding that there was a hand there. Big. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that feel that way. You know, that's, what's great about life is tomorrow is not necessarily dictated by what you did in the past. Yeah. It's about the choice you can make right now. Yes, sir. The way you operate. Yeah. Well, you're a goat, bro. Thank you. you now too. that I've said all these wonderful things about you, I need to borrow some money. <laughs> <laughs> I just need a small loan of $1 million to pay for this bank I just bought. That's great. <laughs> well, dude, I appreciate you coming out. I, this is what's cool about having friends like Jamil. I called him yesterday. I said, yo, I, I would love to have you back on The Cleverest Show. And you're like, all right, I'll be there tomorrow. Yes, sir. That's how fast it can happen. So thank you. How, how can people get a hold of you one more time? And then is there any place they can go to learn from you, hang yeah. out with you? Like, yeah, what, so, what's the scoop? So um, come to my IG page. It's at J-D-A-M-J-I. So at J-D-A-M-J. 
my YouTube just got hacked this morning. So no I'm, shit. I'm in the process right now of trying to recover They put up it. dick pics or what? No. Like, I, nothing, how do you hack nothing. somebody's YouTube? I, dude, I have no idea. Like, I thought Google was pretty secure. I thought YouTube was a pretty secure platform. But uh, yesterday, we noticed some strange activity. Somebody had taken over my page and changed my profile picture to their stuff and, and started a live stream on cryptocurrency. No way. And, yeah. And so then we like, we're like, what? And so we got in there, we, we kicked everything out and we changed all the passwords and, you know, we did all the things that you should do. We had already had two-step verification on and they were able to bypass all the security again. And they right. came in in the middle of the night and started running the cryptocurrency stream again. And so YouTube took it down. Right. So now we're in the process of, That's you know, weird. having to go to YouTube and say, no, we weren't running a cryptocurrency live stream. That wasn't us. Our page had been hacked. Here's the support ticket that we put in earlier in the day to let you guys know that this happened. And then, you know, now it's going to take whatever time it's going to take for it to get restored. So if by the time this podcast is out, you should hopefully be able to go to my YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com slash Jamil Damji. But if it's not up, um, connect with me on Instagram. I'm sure YouTube will restore me sooner or later. And, well, my uh, payback for, for the, for the oh, was my wiener was me streaming uh, crypto. <laughs> all right, well. No, that's crazy. I, yeah. I wonder what other things that they can get into now that they were able to do that, even with the two-step verification. They must it's, have- some, it's some pretty wild, info. man. There's the the hackers out there because even my my IG had been hacked once before too, and it also had two step verification. And what was really interesting is I remember Pace and I were traveling one day, and I was sitting there in my, I was sitting there in the hotel room. It was early in the morning, right? And all of a sudden, I got a a a, a pin on my phone, and it was like your Instagram um, verification code, right? And I'm like, what? Who's logging in? Yeah, right. It wasn't me. Yeah, and then. Um, I, I start texting my team. I'm like, who's trying to log into IG right now? And then I go to IG, I'm locked out. And so they're bypassing two-step verification. Like this two-step verification process thing isn't really secure. Mm. So, you know, you know, I, I don't know how Google, Instagram or, you know, Meta or whatever, I don't know how they are combating this type of security risk, but it's real. And, and it's, and it's damaging, right? It's, it's terrible because it's how I communicate with my community. It's how I'm putting content out. It's how I deliver. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super hopeful that this gets restored in the next, you know, 48 hours. I know it's, I know it's doable because yeah. I've talked to the people that have, I'd be you know, ashamed to have to restart a whole new YouTube channel. Bro, I've, been, I've been, I've been, you know, every subscriber I've earned, you know, like yeah. every single dang one of them. So to have to start over again would be a shame. Um, but there's a lot of things this year that I'm having to start over and, you know, it's okay. It's, I, you know, this morning when I, when I saw that happen, there was a moment where I was like, really God? Okay. Because it's just been, it, it has been tough, right? It's been, it's been one of those years where, you know, personally things have, have, have been tough. Um, you know, thankfully, professionally things have been, have been good, but personally life has been hard. Health wise life has been hard. Um, my dad, you know, diagnosed with cancer and, and dealing with that, uh, I got lost a million dollars in the Ponzi scheme. You know, my, my dog, I was, there, I was there for you, that whole yeah, thing, you were there by the way. whole thing. Um, that's a whole so, nother episode. Yeah. There was just, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of mishaps happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I look back at the year and I think, okay, um, every one of those things strengthened me. Every one of these have, have pushed me in a direction uh, to, to better me. And 
I also feel that when you have a year where you've been the punching bag, um, I, I, I truly believe that what's after that is the resurgence, right? Pain to prosperity. Always, always. And tested to testimony. Yes, sir. I love it. So I've been going yeah. through it. So watch out, guys, because 2024 is if, if you know, if, if the natural cycles of life and, and the waviness of what this world is, because it's all vibration, everything's a wave, right? So anytime you're on the down, just understand that you'll be on the come up, right? And so I'm where I am right now. And I know that there is a turning point. Have I hit bottom? We'll see. Mm. But that's a, a great place to be. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah. You know, I told you about yeah. my, my turbulent year. And so, you know, wh wherever you're at in that journey, just know you got a lot of motherfuckers supporting you, bro. Thank you. Man. A lot of great people that got your back and would step in in a heartbeat to help you out in any way. And there's no doubt Jamil's going to absolutely dominate in 2024. I, it, all, all things, you know, doors closed, doors open. Yeah. And you're the type of guy that walks through it. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. All right. Well, I, I can't. You, I can't wait to see what you do with it, baby. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming on this show. If you guys got some value from this, make sure you go follow Jamil. And uh, yeah, that's it. Share the show with a friend who is in the real estate space. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're murdering it. But they need to hear some of these powerful messages. Uh, and it would be great coming for you, just to say, hey, listen to this. Thought of you. Wanted to share it with you. Listen to these minutes here, wherever Jamil was dropping some serious knowledge bombs or whatever, and uh, just help spread the word that the Clever Investor Show is all real estate for the next 50 episodes. Till next time, we're out of here. Take care. Comb your hair. Peace.